Okay, so anyway, so I'm um, <clears throat> continuing. This is the fourth Sunday that I'm doing this. We're doing a video recording. Uh, we're speaking about kingdom culture. So I'm breaking the message into two parts, around 20 minutes, 20 minutes. And uh, kingdom culture, the, the, the theme, the one-liner, the truth I want to pull right through the series is the following. If you build it, God will come. In other words, if you build the culture of heaven here on earth, we create an environment where God can reign, where God can come and, and be. I don't know about you, but that's my ultimate desire. I want God to be in our midst. I want His kingdom to come. So we're also discussing it in our small groups, and uh, it's been good. So we've been covering, I've uh, broken the, the, the kingdom culture down to five parts, apostolic culture, prophetic culture, pastoral culture, uh, evangelistic culture, and today we're going to do teaching culture, and then also uh, we're also going to look at a, at, a, at a second part. I'm going to look at a, a paradigm that uh, is key for the whole fivefold ministry. It's like everything hinges on this. So I'm really excited just about what God has been doing in me, and I'm, I'm trusting that He's doing a great work in you as well. And uh, I've, uh, this weekend, again, we, there was a prophetic conference on. It was just classic, just to see again, yeah, 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 prophetic. Yeah, are you do, you, you're going down that line. It's, that's prophetic. And, uh, and we need it, but it's not the only thing. It's not the only thing. There's balance in the whole fivefold ministry. Okay, so I want to pray for us, and then I'm gonna, we're going to dive in here. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are alive. Thank you that your word is alive. Thank you, God, that you are here to change us. God, thank you that your word does not return void. Your word is alive and powerful. And so, God, thank you just for the grace for every one of us to, to hear what you are saying, what your word is saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so imagine uh, in the context of the teaching culture. You're driving in your car here in East London, husband and wife. The wife, your wife has the map with her, which is very dangerous. But you're asking her now, okay, honey, point me, direct me, show me which way. I'm looking for the road called happiness. Where is that road? And she's looking at the map, and she's like, it seems everything isn't, I think, I think it's down that road. And you go down that road, and you're like, you don't find happiness there. It's not working. And obviously, there's going to be a big fight as well. Why did you send me down that road? But a map. Imagine in that context, you are in East London, but you have a map from Cape Town, a map concerning Cape Town, and you're trying to get around in East London with the wrong map, what will the result be? Chaos. A lot of confusion. A lot of stuff will go wrong because you're trying, you're like, but this should be there, but it's not there. Do you know that most people are building their lives on the wrong map? And we wonder why our society is so broken, so messed up, why there is so much confusion in our relationships and in our lives, because so many people are saying, okay, I'm taking the map, I'm building my life, I'm directing the car of my life according to this map, 
but it's not working. You see, we either live by God's word or we'll die by man's. We will either live by God's word or we will die by man's. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The word of God is alive and powerful. The word of God is our map that directs us and guides us. But so many of us treat the word of God like uh, we treat a magazine. I'm now reading the Heisgenoot and now I'm reading the Bible and we sort of same authority sometimes. You know, and we, we're getting it wrong. We're getting it wrong. So look at this, this, this scripture. It gives us the context for the word of God. Isaiah 66 verse 2. It says, my hands, this is God speaking, it says, my hands have both made heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts and who tremble at my word. It's powerful scripture. It gives us the context. God says, I have made it. Heaven and earth, I have created it with my own hands. I've designed it. In other words, God has put down the laws, the Natural laws, the moral laws, the spiritual laws. He has, he has designed, he has, he has designed everything. He is the source and the author. And if we don't start there, we're going to get confused. And then he says there that I will bless those who have a humble and contrite heart and who tremble at my word. Say tremble. You see, the word of God is the word of the king. We must tremble at his word. So the, the context we need to get is this. The Bible, the word of God, is a book about a king and a kingdom. It's a book about a king and a kingdom, and it defines that kingdom for us. The Bible is also the constitution of this kingdom. It defines, it's the supreme highest law of the land. Like the Constitution of South Africa, it defines to us what is the law of the land. And so the Word of God, the Bible, reveals to us the law of the land. We need to know it. We need to know how, it, how, how this kingdom functions, what it looks like, and who this king is. The Word of God, the Bible, is also the manual to life. It shows us how to live and how we should not live. It gives us map. It gives us direction. But so many of us treat the word of God with such disrespect. We, we don't value. We don't tremble at the word of God as we should. And so we have the king of heaven and earth. And he has made these decrees. And his word will stand. The Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away. But my word will remain. You know, we can, we can build our lives on the Word of God with confidence. But sometimes we forget that it's not just good advice. It's the, the, the decrees of the king. He's not like saying, hey, this would be a good idea. Maybe you should try this. No, there's, 
The Word of God defines our context, and if you have the wrong map, you're in trouble. We either live by the Word of God, or we will die by man's. As I said, so many people confused. They don't even know why they're experiencing so much pain, but they like going down a road, and there's minefields, and they, they run into, they drive into the minefield. They wonder why things are blowing up. Pooh. They wonder why things are going wrong. So imagine this for a moment. You're standing next to a road, a busy road, a lot of traffic coming up and down. And you have this sense, you have this feeling, I'm going to walk across this road. I'm going to walk in front of this oncoming bus because I feel like it. So you are about to step into the street and then you suddenly hear a voice from heaven saying to you, my son, don't do it. I love you. When you step into that road, if you step in front of that bus, you're going to get hurt. Don't do it. And you say, but I feel like it. You know, because truth is relative. What I feel, if it is what I feel, this is true for me. Or is it? So you step in front of the bus. The bus hits you. Thank God you live. There's a lot of broken bones. A lot of pain. And then you call out, God, why did you do this to me? And this ugly bus, he doesn't like me. No. It's not like God decided, I'm going to now punish you. Or, or the bus saying, oh, I don't like this person. I'm going to hurt them. No, you broke the law. You disregarded the decree of the king. And when you break the laws of God, you get broken. That's how it works. You break the laws of God and you get broken. So there are natural laws, gravity, jump off a building, a nah. Anybody tried it? A nah. It's a law. God designed the natural realm and then he designed the spirit realm and the moral laws that are, that are part of, of our, our world. Good example is adultery. The Bible says, do not commit adultery. Now you can say, oh, that's so old fuddy-duddy. You know, religious prude wrote that, to spoil our fun. So yeah, you feel like it, so go have some fun. Right? It's going to turn out wonderful, isn't it? No. Life shows us. If you are a married man and, or a married woman and you decide to break this moral law of God, the result is it's pain. Your partner feels pain. It takes a miracle from God to heal that marriage again, to heal hearts, for forgiveness to flow, for God to restore. He is able, yes, but there is pain when we disregard the laws of God. And so in the same way, if we... You know, if say it's a, a husband committing adultery, you know, it's not just the husband that's stepping in front of the bus. Dad is basically pushing the whole family in front of the bus because that's the carnage that follows, the pain. So we disregard the laws of God at our own peril. You see, but so many of us are in this realm of feeling. If you break the laws of God, you're going to get broken. So the teaching culture, the mission of the teaching culture is this. 
I want the Word of God to become flesh. I want the, word, the, 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 the words on those pages and the words of God to become my living reality. More than knowledge, more than understanding, I want it to become my living reality. So a teaching culture creates an environment where knowledge is released because my people perish for a lack of knowledge, but also understanding is released. Instead of saying, well, that's just dumb. But when understanding is released, you actually realize, no, that actually makes sense why I shouldn't do that and why I should do this. I mean, we all know this. eh? It doesn't work so well when you, as a parent, you tell your child, do this. And they say, but why? Because I say so. How does that go off? It works only for a little bit. But if you can impart understanding to your child of why this is so important for them to do or not do, then they're like, okay, I understand. The Bible says, God, give me understanding that I may obey your commands. So a teaching culture is an environment where the people of God receives knowledge and understanding about the king and the kingdom so that we may live according to the ways of God. Amen. So that's the environment, to receive understanding and knowledge of the king and his kingdom so that we may live according to his ways. And when we live according to his ways, we are blessed. Hallelujah. But then our relationship with the word of God needs to change. This lackadaisy attitude. Ten different Bibles in our, many of our homes. And how often do we read it? We have a little bit, ten minutes before I go to bed. Oh, that's, that's so cute. Thank you, God. I feel encouraged all fuzzy. Yes. And I sleep well. I've done my little bit, you know. No, but if we understand that our very lives depend upon knowing His Word and understanding His Word and living according to the decrees of the King, we're going to live differently. It changes the game when we understand it's the decrees of our glorious God and King. So Daniel 7, verse 21 to 22, the context, the context of, of this passage um, the verses just before this, it speaks, it basically defines the throne room of heaven. And it speaks about a hundred million people in front of, around the throne of God. And it speaks about the throne of God, the ancient of days, sitting on the throne and a river of fire coursing forth from, from his throne. And then it says, and they opened books. And it was like a courtroom scenario. And then a little bit later on, it says this. Verse 21, Daniel, he saw this, he had this revelation vision, he saw heaven. And he says, I was watching, and the same horn, speaking of evil power, was making war against the saints and prevailing against them. So there was a war, and the enemy was prevailing. And then he says, until the ancient of days came, and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Now you can interpret this verse in many different ways. Whether it's future or past. I believe this speaks of Jesus coming. That evil was, was, over, was prevailing against the people of God. Until the Ancient of Days came. Until Jesus came and He died on that cross. 
and a decree, a judgment was made in favor of the sons and the daughters of God saying, your sins are forgiven. Yes, you've been accused and yes, you've been bound and yes, the enemy has been prevailing against you. But now, in the light of the victory of Christ on the cross, the king has released a decree in favor of the saints of God. You're free from darkness, from slavery, from sin, from, from evil, from, from hopelessness, from despair. A decree, the king has decreed. He's given us his word. He's given us his promises. And now he says, and the time has come for the saints to possess the kingdom. The time. Now is the time. Let's say it. Now is the time. Now is the time for the saints to possess the kingdom. You know, so the word of God doesn't only reveal to us the decree so we can live a good life. It gives us the keys of the kingdom so that we can possess the kingdom of God. So that we can release the kingdom of God on the earth. So the the word of God gives us access to the, the, the kingdom of God. It reveals to us how this kingdom operates and who the king is, the nature of the king who reigns in this kingdom. It, it paints us this picture and it gives us keys so we can walk in the authority of God and we can release the kingdom on the earth. What is a key? What does a key look like? What, what is the purpose of a key? Now, if you have the keys to your house, that means you have the authority in that realm. You have the keys. You are the authority in your house. If you have the keys to the car, you can go driving anytime. Hallelujah. You can go, you can take your car at any time, and you can go drive because you've got the keys. In the same way, God gives us Keys from the scriptures, keys of the kingdom, so that we can have authority within the realm of the kingdom and so that we can take the kingdom for a drive. So I can release the kingdom of God on the earth. Hallelujah. So what we need to understand is this. It is found in the scriptures. How's your relationship with the scriptures? How's your relationship with the constitution of the kingdom? How's your relationship with the manual of life to life? Is it, is, it, is it authoritative or not? So God wants to discover these keys. So the mission, as I said, of the teaching culture is that the word become flesh. One of the values of the teaching culture is I tremble at his word. It's not a suggestion. And... One of the practices, how do, you, how do you make this your lifestyle? How do you apply the teaching culture in your life? Consume the Word of God until it consumes you. Consume the Word of God until it consumes you. Until your life realigns according to His Word. Until you, your eyes open to not only receive knowledge, but understanding of who God is. What does it mean, consume the word until it consumes you? Memorize it, meditate upon it, study it, pursue God through the scriptures. The word of God, the Bible, is a supernatural book. It's not just another book. It's a supernatural book. The word of God is alive and powerful. It's like a sword that cuts between soul and spirit and bone and marrow. It, it, it influences us. It changes us. The psalmist said, Lord, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
His word changes us from the inside out. You might feel like you're not good enough. You might feel like your lifestyle is not great. Where do you change it? Get into the word. Consume the word until it consumes you. Sundays are not good enough. I'm just giving you secondhand stuff here. You need to go into the word yourself to discover who God is. A teaching culture is where every person loves the word of God and they get into it for themselves. They're not looking to the pastor. They're not looking to somebody else. I just give you a pep talk on Sunday to go and do it, to go and live it. So that's what God wants us to do. Now look at this, Matthew 16, 18 to 19. The context is here, Jesus speaking, uh, asking his disciples, who do you say I am? And then Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus shares this. He says, and I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. On this rock, I will build my church. What is that rock? Jesus asked a question. Peter received a revelation from the Father. He was taught by the Father. The Father said to Peter, Peter, Jesus is the Son of God. He is my Son. He is the Messiah. He is the coming, reigning King. But the Father revealed it to, to, to Peter. And then Jesus says, On this rock I will build my church where every Believer is taught by God from the Scriptures. You see, when we get into the Scriptures, it's not supposed to be a dry and boring, oh, I'm going to die, I don't understand it, and it's boring, it's... No. It's supposed to be God coming next to you, breathing upon that Word and say, hey, let me... Let me share with you. Let me teach you. Let me show you who I am from the scriptures. Let me breathe upon it. I mean, we see it with our son, Vian. I mean, the times where he is reading his Bible, and he works through the comic action Bible. And he, 700 pages. He's gone through it six or seven times. But every time he does that, and he's reading, and he's reading, and he's, he's reading, then he comes to us, and he shares with us, and says, he feels so close to God. The Word of God is powerful. I promise you, your life is not going to sufficiently be changed by sitting in a meeting and having someone else tell you about God. Your life will change when you get into the Word for yourself and you consume it like a, a ravenous, I can't get enough. Give me the Word. Give me the Word. I want, I want to see Jesus. I want to, I want to have the living bread. Jesus is the living bread. The word will then become flesh. We will change. So Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church where each one is taught by God. The Holy Spirit and anointing to cause the word of God to come alive. I remember becoming a Christian. I remember just locking myself in my room for days as a student and just consuming the word. Consuming the word. Consuming the word. And God changed me. And he's keeping on changing me. Come on, let's change our relationship with the word of God. And then he says there, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When the people of God are taught by God from the scriptures, 
Hell can't stop us when we know who our God is. And then he says there, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. In this place of revelation of who God is, Jesus says, now, now that you've seen another aspect of who I am, if you discover that God is good, then Jesus says, now I can trust you. Here's a key. There are many more, but here's a key. Now that you know that I am good, I know I can trust you to represent me well. Or when you discover that he's love, extravagant, unstoppable, mind-blowing love, the height, nor depth, nor width, nor length, nothing can comprehend how great his love is. When you discover his love, then Jesus says to you, okay, Here's another key. I know you're going to use this power and this authority well because you've discovered my love. Now go love well. Hallelujah. Do you see it? In that place, he gives us the keys of the kingdom. In that place. And see, there's this one trap when it comes to the teaching culture that we can so focus on being right that we forget to be Christ-like. So focused on our doctrine, although doctrine is incredibly important. If your doctrine is wrong, your perspective of who God is will be incorrect. You're going to go down the wrong roads. You're going to go down minefields if your doctrine is bad, if it's wrong. So that's important. But this is one of the traps, I believe, of the teaching culture. We get so focused on being right that we forget about being Christ-like. I see this so often. And uh, Reinhard Bonnke is an evangelist. And, and, and he brings in the balance to the teaching culture. But he was on a national TV, and the guys asked him to, uh, they, they, they put a theological conundrum to him, like, and said, please solve this for us. What do you say about this complex theological thing? And he brought it home so beautifully. He said, I will begin to split hairs when the last chain is broken. I will begin to split hairs when the last chain is broken. The Alpha and the Omega is not having good doctrine, which it's a good place to go to. But there must be an outflow. The Word must become flesh. Lives must be changed because we know how the kingdom operates. We, we receive keys from the King so that we can release the will of God into the earth. Amen. So I want to encourage us. Let's, get, let's consume the word until it consumes us. And allow God to reveal to us who he is. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me, let me pray for us. Father, God, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you stir on the inside of us a newfound passion and respect and value for the word of God, the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. Almighty God, may we consume it until it consumes us. To the glory of your name, amen.